is brought to you by the Kansas City Barbecue Store, the official provider of barbecue supplies to listeners of Pitmaster. It's June, which means the month that summer starts, Father's Day, and getting ready for July 4th. That means getting all of your grilling and barbecue supplies in order. From smokers and fuel to rubs and sauces, the Kansas City Barbecue Store has everything and anything you could want. And get this, as a listener of the OVS Pitmaster podcast, you can get 10% off of your order this summer by using the code PITPOD, P-I-T-P-O-D, for online orders at www.thekansascitybarbecuestore.com. If they don't have it, you probably don't need it. So visit the thekansascitybarbecuestore.com today for all of your barbecue needs. Well, my name is Luke Darnell, and I'm the Pitmaster for Old Virginia Smoke Barbecue, and this is Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, and I can't tell you how excited I am today to have the Lady of Q, Sylvie Curry, on with me today. How are you, Sylvie? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Well, it is an extreme honor to have you on here, and uh, I've been a huge fan of yours for years, and I think we've met a couple of times um, throughout the years at different competitions, but I—I I mean, since now that you're a big celebrity, you know, after <laughs> being on television and everything, and uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to the next time that we can spend some time together. Okay, me too. I'd love to. So but I know I follow you on uh, Facebook and all, so it's like. It's like I almost know you if, if I have never met you. I still know you. Uh, as my wife likes to say, I, I live my life pretty out loud and in front of everything. So <laughs> I don't really have an off switch. Um, you know, but one of the coolest things that uh, I think that's happened in barbecue recently, um, and we can get we'll get into all my standard uh questions soon enough but um i've been reading adrian miller's uh black smoke african americans in the united states of barbecue and and uh you're you're in there and i i just think that this book is so important it uh, is yeah can you talk a little bit about it um I'm not, well, one of the things I think that's very important is that people understand that there's a lot of history in barbecue, open fire cooking, and it didn't just start with pit masters. It started a long time ago with, um, well, we need to go back to the times of cavemen go to open fires and progress from there. It's not something that's just here in the United States. It's all over. And the contribution of a lot of the uh, Afro-Americans, Black Piston Pitmasters has been significant and I think, you know, underrated. Uh, and I think that book brings out what those contributions were and how they played into this whole progression of open fire cooking. Absolutely. And, you know, when you get into, there's a couple of history books that a gentleman has written here in Virginia that really dives into, you know, I want to say it was around the 16, 1700s and learning a lot of that open fire cooking here from Native Americans and from, right. and from, you know, Africans that were brought here via the slave trade and learning, you know, just these different styles of cooking. And that's a lot of where barbecue came from. And it's, you know, diving into that history I think is super exactly. important. Well, e- even the some of the meats were from um, from Africa here. A lot of uh, another thing that was on Netflix called um, I think it was called on the hog, and they were showing the contributions of things like what is it, uh, Carolina yellow rice? Yes, yeah, and things like you know how that was brought here from Africa and how now there's a big surge in people using it now because of that show and 
you just become more familiar with it. Yeah, and that's you know it's and it just gets into you know what a universal world language food is, and you know a lot of people talk about fusion cooking and things like that, and you know it's really just when you start thinking about ingredients and how they've kind of melded from different cultures from out the world, you know it's I think it's the universal language, and I've really spent a lot of time trying to learn about different cultures, foods and, and how they can marry with things that we have and things that we don't have, you know, and really come up with some different flavors. So it's really amazing. After I did the American barbecue showdown, a number of people were amazed that I could use a lot of Asian flavors like with mirin and and things like that. It's like, well, how do you know about that? And it's like, well, you know, I read and I watch you. But, you know, and I think more, more people are looking at all those different flavors and, and putting them together with their usual foods. And we're thinking about it with this morning. Well, yesterday was I cooked some dove breast and I used Asian flavors to marinate it. It came out great. And who would have thought? Right. Dove breast. Wow. Well, in doing my research for this interview, I came across your oxtail recipe online and uh that's something that i have not i hadn't had until recently and i had it of all places a food truck at this putt-putt course in virginia <laughs> and <laughs> and i was blown away way by it but it, i immediately was like i think i can make this and maybe make it even a little better so i'm very excited and then this weekend i got to cook uh Next to Chef Tyrell, Chef Rell, who uh, has a Jamaican pop-up restaurant here in D.C., in the D.C. area. And uh, he was doing his first KCBS contest, so we spent a lot of time together. And I think we're actually going to cook together. And I brought up Oxtail, and he's like, come on, man, let's bring it. I was like, okay. <laughs> let's do it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, we could just... Yeah, I could just talk about food all night. That'd be fine. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you want to know, like, well, do you have a restaurant? Do you cater? It's like, no, I just cook to cook. If I cooked in a restaurant or a cater, that would be work. But just cooking is like, it's just, I enjoy it. And I like cooking for people. I, I don't yeah. want to have it. Don't want to have to cook. Yeah, I'm in that situation now where I have to cook, but I still love it. Um, yeah, it hasn't, uh, it hasn't got me yet, but so far I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, let's get into. You mentioned the American Barbecue Showdown, and one of the things that really struck me on there was the quiet confidence that you had about yourself, like you. A lot of the competitors, you know, they were tasked with what they had to cook and they kind of got flinchy and, you know, but you had this just underlying confidence. Where does that confidence come from? You know, I, it didn't come to, I didn't think about it until one of the producers said, you know, you look so calm. I said, but inside I'm churning. So it's not necessary that I sort of like going at it. But what helps is that I'm just very familiar with a lot of different things to cook. And it's like, I just felt like I was in my element and we just work from that. I mean, there, there were some things that sort of like, you know, the, the raccoon that got me. Um, and because it, it, it wasn't something, it didn't look like I would think something like that would look and it's like, Oh my God. And I just had to tell myself it's meat. It's just meat. Just cook it. Right. And yeah, rack if somebody threw a raccoon at me, I, I remember that episode and I was like, Yeah, I don't know about that one. But I did eat grasshoppers this weekend too, so I never thought that I would do that either. Oh I haven't <laughs> done that. <laughs> it was gross, I won't lie. It was not uh not something I enjoyed. Uh so I I, and I will be completely transparent here is that I am unfamiliar with your career 
outside of cooking. So how does, how does your career and life experiences outside of barbecue prepared you to be a pit master on the competition trail? You're talking about my, my I'm a pharmacist. Yeah. <laughs> I think being a pharmacist, it, you become very organized and everything has its place. So, you know, and it's organized, it's in place and you just follow um, the progression of things. You get a prescription, you go through it, you read it, you go through the um, tasks of determining is this appropriate? Is it not appropriate for this patient? All those things. And I think that comes to play in cooking, that you don't just go into cooking a thing and just look at it one side. You have a lot of elements all around that you put together to determine how you're going to cook this meat. Um, and I think the other thing is that working in pharmacy, it's very, it can be very hectic. And you always have to have confidence. And that's built into a lot of what I do. Yeah. Wow. That's so you're one of those super organized cooks, aren't you? <laughs> super organized, which is when I only cook by myself. Um, <laughs> Cause everything is in, everything is in its place and I know exactly where to go to for it. And uh, when I first started out, I was with three other guys and it used to drive me crazy because they would put things it everywhere organized. And it's like, yeah, Everywhere, it's like, well, where's this? Where's that? Um, the, I'm very organized. Yeah, you'd have, <laughs> you'd have a nightmare cooking with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I think that's because I'm organized, that's the reason I can do a lot of the stuff by myself. And, you know, because I get focused and it's like, you know, I know where I'm going to go with it. Yeah, and that's, I got to be honest, it's, I was, I, and I am disorganized with everything outside of barbecue, but barbecue, like, has, I have learned, and through no small part, through my wife, Kim, who is as OCD as they come and extremely organized, so it is, number one, it's a lot easier to cook when you're organized, and number two, it really helps my marriage if I'm organized. <laughs> You know, it's it, it makes a big difference, and you know, I'm one of those you clean as I go. So usually after you know cooking at home, I'm cooking. If I finish something, I go wash it, put it away. So that's out of the way. I don't leave stuff just laying around, big piles of mess and all that. And it's it's like a clean kitchen just makes it so much easier to cook and get things done. Right, and it's. You know, that's a, you're, I've been reading a lot of chef books recently, cookbooks and just, and you know, that's one thing, cook clean as you go. And I started doing it probably about a year and a half ago and you just feel better about yourself. <laughs> you do. Because at the, at the end of the meal, there's less to clean up. You go and it's like, oh, only the dishes we eat on. <laughs> Right. Right. And I, I try and do a better job every time. So it's, yeah. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, one of the things that, you know, a lot of people like to talk about on these things is how successful all of us are. But one of the things I like to focus on are our failures. Do you have okay. a, a favorite failure of yours where something went wrong, but you really learned from it and it set you up for success later? Oh my, let's see. I can't think of anything professionally. Um, I'm thinking, I, I just remember what comes to mind is I did the uh, World Food Championship Lady Pitmasters cook in 2018, I think it was. And they had yeah. another judging way of way of judging. I got the eats category, EATS, and yeah. I wasn't familiar. And so we had to cook using that criteria. And I cooked everything the same way I would in competition, not thinking outside the box that each you don't have to do that. You can you can be very creative with stuff. And I remember at the end, even though I have cooked great food. I bought myself in. And so I learned from that that, you know, I need to be more creative and think outside of that box sometimes. 
Yeah, and cooking in a different medium like that, like in, you know, we had some success in the World Food Championship, and uh, and, and it is, it was very, very foreign, like going from six pieces of meat in the box to, okay, now i got to do something chef-y, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And it's you're just like, okay, let me... (laughs) Maybe we need to make some phone calls about how to do this. <laughs> it is, you know, I, 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 like I said, what I learned from that is not to box myself in, think outside of that box. Yeah, that's and, good. Uh, that's good. What's the most surprising thing that's come out of competition barbecue for you? Most surprising. If you had, I've been in this since two thousand six. And back then, there weren't a lot of trailers and RVs and all that kind of thing. People, you're easy up with a couple of tables and some coolers and things like that. And to look at how things were then and then look at it now, like, it's it's like, it's mind-blowing to me. I say, we've come this far and how much money we invest in this. Because I never thought starting out in barbecue that, you know, I would be spending Two hundred something dollars on a brisket, you know those right. type of things. That's surprising to me. It's like, and and we do it, but it's like, had you asked me then, it was like I would have went to the local grocery store but I was going to cook it, which we did. Um, <laughs> so I guess the most surprise, the amount of money that we spend now doing this compared to the way it was then, it's a lot. It's. I, we were talking earlier and I mentioned that we cooked Washington DC this weekend and it's the closest contest to my house. And it's by far the most expensive one that we do every year. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, just from the entry fee and then you pretty much have to stay in a hotel and then you add your meat costs onto that. And it, you know, it, it gets up there pretty quickly, but <laughs> it gets up there. Yes. And it's, but I tell people all the time, this is a sickness. <laughs> it's a great sickness. <laughs> and, you know, it's amazing. I bought, this is my last competition a couple of weeks ago, and I don't have another one coming up till August. And it's like you almost go on to withdrawal. You know, it's like, you know, I need to be prepping something. You can't just be <laughs> not doing something related to barbecue. Right. Like What's the. What's the most contest you've ever done in a year? Uh, probably maybe 14, 15. And that was way back in, I guess I would say like 2014, 15 back then. Yeah. When there were many more contests than now, especially in California. So my average is usually, was usually about one a month and sometimes two or three a month. Um, and then off during November, December. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, um, and we're definitely losing contests. It's, (laughs) uh, (laughs) it's hard. We're losing contests. The, um, registration going up up while the awards are going down. And it's like, this is totally amazing. There was one contest uh, coming up here in California um, I think it's in September and they're actually charging a separate KDS fee. It's a two day so for the first day it's $15 the second day $15 in addition to your registration fee. Ah. It's the first time I've ever seen that and it's like why? And I think it probably has to do with the if they say that the award money comes from registration, <clears throat> they don't want us teams saying, well, if you add up what the registration was, what about that um, that $15 that KCBSB would not have been included with because the promoters would have kept it. I don't know if uh, I made that clear, but, it's, right. but it, it was just something that was totally different. It was like, oh, I mean, I wind up paying it, but still it's the idea. Yeah, it's, well, and it's, it's just all this additional stuff, you know, Washington, D.C., it's always an expensive entry fee, but, you know, the 2020 by 20 by 20 space, 
was $550, and that included no power and water. Ooh-wee. Yeah. Is that because and, you're paying for the, um, what, the security or something like that? Security, all kinds of infrastructure, I'm, I'm sure the fencing and all that, I'm sure all of that came into it. But, you know, to take our big trailer down there, I was like, we're not doing that. It's, you know, <laughs> so we went old school pop up and, and Jambo and just, just did it that way. And it was a lot of fun. It was hot, but I enjoy cooking that way. The old school way. Yeah. I really do like it. It's a lot the of fun. Old, a lot of fun. And as we always talk, it's like a lot of, um, when we had pop ups and things, more of us knew each other because we were out there in festivals. Yeah. Now with trailers and things like that, we're inside and you don't interact as much with you know, other teams and things like that as you would have in the past. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think there's a key there in terms of maybe bringing this back a little bit in terms of, you know, it, and it's fun for people if they can go and they can actually watch what you're doing, you know, right. and, and trying to convince public to come stare at a bunch of barbecue trailers. That's pretty hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, I can't see that guy doing anything. Like I, this weekend I'm, you know, I'm there at a table and we're boxing chicken and there's people on the other side of the fence that are just walking around Washington, D.C. looking at us like, what are these people doing? <laughs> <laughs> at least they could, they could see it. Yeah. Like you said, in the trailer, they don't see anything but the styrofoam box coming out and being walked someplace. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by BarbecueData.com. BarbecueData.com is your one-stop shop for all of your barbecue competition data. Historical data, calls, wins, placements, everything under one roof. It's a great way not only to track yourself in the standings, but also to track how you improve your scores from year to year. Listeners of this podcast can receive 20% off of a new subscription to BarbecueData.com with the code PITPOD. That's one word, all capital letters, P-I-T-P-O-D, PITPOD. So check your team scores, check on others, and do it all on barbecuedata.com. Let's switch gears here a little bit into gear and stuff. I I think that that's one of the biggest draws to barbecue, and I know that I'm very guilty of it because if I see a new smoker, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I should probably get one of those. What <laughs> what's one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've made in competition barbecue? Oh my. What did I <sighs> you know I temperature controllers? Yeah. Even though, you know, against the idea of being able to manage a fire and all that, but that was one of the best things that I purchased. And I, I was way back in the days when they had, there was a brand called Stoker mm-hmm. and got one of those. And it's like, wow, this is fantastic. I can just set it and like, you know, everything is going to be the temp that I need it to be. Um, what other things? I mean, there's other little gadgets and things that you buy along the way, but I think that's one of the most significant ones. Yeah, well, um, then you just led me right into my next question. <laughs> What's a purchase of $100 or less that's most positively impacted your, your competition barbecue life? I love this question because this is something that the people that li- can listen to can just go and do and try it out. And I can't tell you how many of these things that I've bought. We're like up around 80 episodes right now, and I keep getting all this stuff. <laughs> hundred dollars or less you know i I, what the first thing that popped in my head was disposable cutting board but that was like you know that just seems so common now um less than a hundred dollars you know injectors i have a basic little um $10, $12 injector, not one fancy skipjacks and 
that. Yeah. He's one of my favorite instructors because I have more control uh, hand-wise. That's important Just, very much. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's now I got because I I constantly fight with injectors, so I'm always on the lookout for <laughs> something new. <laughs> and, and I, you know, it's like I look at it. You pay ten dollars for injector; it's almost disposable. So that you know, you can buy multiple ones and throw it away and get more needles and stuff like that. Versus, you know, the expensive ones. Where when they stop working, they like really stop working. <laughs> they stop working. <laughs> And we had a brand new one this weekend, and it just fought me the whole time. I mean, and it makes a difference the way that you your your rhythm because you, when you're injecting, you're like me. I have a rhythm that I go through, and I can feel that rhythm as my hands are moving over that meat. And you get something that fights with you, and it's like, Ugh. right? And then you become distracted, and I know I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned the stoker and uh, and temperature controllers. Do you use a lot of technology when you're cooking, stuff like that? I think the only technology I use, major technology, are the temperature controllers. I don't have, um, I have a drum smoker. I don't use any temperature controller, and then I just do the vents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have two, two uh what do you call them? Back backwood smokers. Oh, and yeah. I use temperature controls on that, but that's about it. No other fancy equipment that you know I'm thinking is going to make life easier. I didn't know you and were a backwoods cooker. Yeah, that's two, I have two on my uh, trailer, and I've had them since I got this trailer in 2013. Wow. That uh, that was my that's I, we used those for years before I switched over to the Jambo. <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, got used to it. And my husband always says, "Well, don't you want something else?" And I was like, "Well, still works. <laughs> still works. So. <laughs> Just one brisket a couple of weeks ago. Still works. <laughs> still works." <laughs> <laughs> Once oh. I put the 180 brisket on it, that's yep. That's all that matters, and that's what I tell people that all the time. They're like, "Well, they're like I should switch to that cooker." I'm like, "Can you cook on what you got now? Like, and are you comfortable with you know? Do you have something you're comfortable doing? That's what it really comes down to. Is and you know, I tell people all the time. The number one thing you can do is know your cooker. Whatever it is, doesn't matter what it is. You just have to know it, and it has to know you, and that makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. You know, I can tell when, you know, um, like for my husband, at the he's like my pit bitch. So at the end of a competition, he that cleans out the ash and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, the certain way that I want him to do it, and it's like. Well, it's getting clean. I said, yeah, but it, it matters, you know. And but yet still, so that's just the way I, I work. It's like it has to be put back this way. All the um, the grates have to be put in a certain way and all that. But it's like that's the way I know how it works. Right. That's awesome. It's also awesome that in 80 episodes of this podcast, I think you're the first person to say pit bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he came up with the term, you know. He even has on his um, stuff, you know. I'm the pit bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's I, I get called that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen. Uh, one of the things I like to talk about too is like, because we all have people that help us in barbecue and people who have been there for us. When you hear the word successful in terms of barbecue, who's the first person that comes to mind? Successful. You know, actually, they're in a lab that's Franklin. It's been marvelous. Yeah. Oh. And that's because we have a history going way back as far as when he started a barbecue and when I started a barbecue. And it's just along the way using his rubs and things like that and how far he's come with that. 
he's amazing. Uh, and he's become a good friend over the years. I'm actually, uh, I'm in the Outer Banks right now for a wedding, but I always travel with a couple of shakers and things just because I know that I'm going to have to cook something at some point. I'm staring at a bottle of the Simply Marvelous Santa Maria seasoning right now <laughs> that was in my <laughs> backpack. And uh, I've never gotten it before, and I ordered it this last time, and I can't wait to use it. To try it out, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and actually, I started out with him with uh, Pepper Cow before we marketed it. Oh. I did a lot of the, the uses of it in the beginning, and I, I like to say that I'm partially responsible for taking off because I did very well on brisket during that time period. And everybody wants to know about this pepper cow. Yep. That, that rubs one a lot of brisket trophies over the years. <laughs> for sure. Um, so when you're having, so when Sylvie Kirk has a barbecue issue and you're having a problem with the meat, who do you call for help? And I'm having a problem with the meat. Um, probably going to be him. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Because there's um, there's some people you know you can't call because they won't give you an answer even though you talk to them. Uh, <laughs> but I know that if I talk to him, <laughs> he'll give me an answer. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Or or you know the answer <laughs> is not accurate. <laughs> That's not accurate. You can guess who that person is. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> so alright I have a favorite question coming okay are you superstitious at all uh, I am and I wear the same shoes to competition mm-hmm. and they're almost worn out now so I don't know what I'm going to do and I have a pink pig that I always have to have out. How long have you and had so the shoes? My, whew, these shoes, probably at least, you know, I've lost two years of pandemic. So I'm going to say at least four or five years for this pair. Wow. Wow. And I say I walked at these competition with Skechers. Uh-huh. And at these competition, Martian and they're ready to go again. Did you did you wear those on the TV show? No, they wouldn't let me. Oh, <laughs> they, they they had specific dress requirements, and they told you what you had to wear. And we we actually had wardrobe, and so everything was in wardrobe. And we had to go there and pick it up. Oh wow, that's awesome! <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh, we just had our first. Uh, filming experience for the new Michael Simon show coming out. And uh, oh, okay. yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. But yeah, there was a lot of rules about what you could and couldn't wear. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, you know, from bandana to, you know, everything it had to be exactly the same every day on that show. And before, you know, before we left the hotel, they would check to make sure we had every item. We had the same earrings. You didn't have an extra ring on your finger. You had the same watch, everything. Wow. Now I'm going to have to go back and watch that again. Just That's crazy. You but... see, we have the same thing on every day. <laughs> I mean, it, we, had like, we had three or four different um Things of the same um, wardrobe, but you finished up the day and you took your dirty clothes of wardrobe and you picked up your new ones and you did the next show. That's crazy. That's awesome. Though. That's the kind of cool stuff that I like finding out. That's, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So what was your biggest turning point as a pit master? When did it really take uh, off? When I retired. Yeah, I retired. I retired in two thousand nine, which meant I had time, and I didn't have to ask for time off. And so, it, you know, it was easier to just get in contests that I wanted to do. Uh, I had the time to do it, and one of the things of being retired was that you know, 
we were in a financial position where I could afford to do it. So that's cool. Yeah. 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 Getting time off to go cook and play can be kind of difficult sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But it it used to, I mean, it was very frustrating because a lot of times I, you know, for a Friday, Saturday contest, you want to get out there in the morning, but you couldn't leave until you got off work. And it's like, you know, that was very demanding on me. Yeah. Uh, luckily, that was during the time I was with the team, so I didn't have 100% um, of the cooking to do, but it was still just frustrating. Yeah. And it's, yeah, now I work for myself, so I kind of, <laughs> but I, that puts it in better perspective for me in terms of, you know, sometimes you got to work, sometimes you can go play around, so. Right. It works out. Do you listen to music when you cook? I do. And you're going to laugh. I have specific type of music I listen to. I like doo-wop from the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And so that's, I have four or five different play um, playlists that I just go through their competitions. And, you know, my husband knows when that music comes on, my focus starts. And it just me in the right place. And there are certain songs that even while I'm doing turn-ins, I have to scroll through the playlist to get that song to come up because it sort of ignites something in you which says, okay, do it. Yeah. That's awesome. I do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a we have specific playlists for each song for each meet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so we'll we'll switch the playlist like when chicken when chicken's on, chicken playlist comes up. When uh, you know, first <laughs> first song is uh, "Juicy" by Notorious B.I.G. I mean, just because oh, it, wow. it puts me right where I need to be, and uh, and because we've been doing that now for so many years, oh my gosh, yeah, like that's so cool. I do something that Sylvie does. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember a contest, this is maybe a few years ago, and it was like, I couldn't get my, I couldn't get together. And then my husband says, you know, listen to music. And it's like, oh, I forgot to put it on. And that's what was, and it's like, I had to put it on before it refocused me and got me going. So now I don't make that mistake again. (laughs) So are you more of a, a timeline cook or a feel cook? Um, I would say I have a specific timeline, but I know how to adjust the basic what happens if things don't break. Yeah. But, um, it's, you know, it's written, you know, where I know that at certain times I should have certain things done. And yeah. Getting older, you forget things like, oh, I forgot to, you know, what, change the, the temperature on the smoker and little things like that. But I have a little timeline up for uh, Friday and Saturday. Exactly. And actually for 45 days, so 45 days before a comp, this is what I need to be doing. 45 days. Different. Right. You know, little things like, you know, cleaning the, um, the drum out, cleaning yeah. the, uh, uh, you know, hard cleaning of the trailer, those type of things, you know, get that done. Um, it's not very many things in that time period, but usually when you get down to like a week, when it gets sort of clogged up, you know, I went on meat bought and stuff. And actually I do chicken. I may buy my chicken at least two weeks before uh, a comp and get it out of the way. Because once I get chicken out of the way, I feel like I'm, I'm good. You trim it and then freeze it? Trim it and freeze it. Huh. I don't have any trimming on site unless it's a comp where they give you the meat on site. Amen to that. I that's I try and tell people all the, all the time. Like uh, when I see them trimming there, I'm like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's like you know, if if they're having fun doing it there with the group and stuff, I said that's fine. But no, I trim at home and I do my boxes at home. And I flip them when I get there. See, I've not done that. And Kim's trying to push for that. And 
as I'm the logistics person as well, I'm like, I don't want to travel with four already made boxes, but so many people do it. <laughs> it can't be that bad. <laughs> I, you know, it's because you can be at home watching television and they're doing your boxes without any dress, just, you know, getting it done. That's true. Oh, I'm so glad that you were trimmed before you go person. That's so important. If something's wrong, you have to be able to fix it before you get there. That's the biggest thing. Right. The biggest thing, because you open up something that's got a big gas in it, and it's like, okay, what do I do now? Right, especially chicken. You're so right about that. That's got to be chicken. perfect before it goes. <laughs> and then it's like, even during the summer, so I has to be in an air conditioner and do it, versus being, you know, in your trailer, 80 degrees, trying to trim chicken. Uh-uh. Yeah. No, yeah. Wow. This has been such a great time. <laughs> I, I've really enjoyed talking with you, but now it's the hardest part of the interview. It's the rapid fire questions. Uh-oh. <laughs> Are you, re- you ready for these? I'll, I'll try. Do, okay. Do I, I can't answer. I'll just say I can't answer. I don't know. You can, you'll be, they're not that hard. I'm building it way too up. <laughs> All right. What do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? What do I see on social media that bothers me? When people post pictures of food that actually does not look good and they think (laughs) it's great just because they cooked it. I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I see a lot of biscuits, and you look at it like, really? But that person is very excited that they cooked that brisket, but look what I did. It's like, oh. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that one's, that one's up there for me, too. I, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. And the whole rate my box thing, I'm not big on that either. Oh, yes. You know. The, the, the rye box or the oh look I got a 180 brisket look at it and you say that's a 180 brisket <laughs> it looks dry oh, you, you know those type of things like. <laughs> <laughs> alright do you have a a favorite pre during or post competition meal um, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this one my uh, the most of the time during the competition, my stomach is sort of very anxious and I don't want to eat. Uh-huh. So I always have bacon. I always cook like bacon so that when I get hungry, I just grab a piece and bite on it. And that just keeps me going. Huh. So I may not eat anything but bacon, you know, on Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Um, and then I know it's bad for my heart, but it's like it's, it. So down. Um, post meal, I love when I get home, and I usually cook a grilled cheese. Grilled cheese. That's grilled awesome. cheese. I, I'm really bad at making grilled cheese. It's one of the things I've been working on, <laughs> and, and I don't know how I screw it up so bad. But I think I'm too hot. But um, <laughs> and I'm just I can't make it like my mom used to. You know. It just really bothers me. <laughs> it is not like mom's. It's no good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people? A favorite present that I like to give people? Um, I do not like to give anyone anything that they have to take care of. So I don't like giving people flowers and stuff like that or plants. Okay. Uh, if I give them something, it's going to be something. Yeah, I give away a lot of briskets. Yeah. As you said, I think that that's, you know, I cook it and then it's like, here's the instructions for cooking it and I haul it away. Um, <laughs> and I find that <clears throat> as you older, it's harder to buy presents for people. Everybody already has the thing. Right. And so you're, you feel, sometimes you feel like, well, I, Posing this on somebody, and all they're going to do is stick it in the mouth and be gifted. So, 
I try to do things that are meant just for them. And I think food is the best way to do that. I agree. I agree. All right. Last question. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, getting a message out to millions or billions of people, what would it say and why? What would it say and why? Mm -hmm. Probably it would be a picture of me as Lady Master. And I, in the reason for that is that I think there was this myth that most pit masters are males. And even further than that, that most of them are white males. And I just wanted to have a picture of me as Lady Pitmaster. I love it. I love it. And I, you know what, now I'm thinking back because I missed a question earlier, but this is a great question. Uh, that I think we should we should ask and and probably end with is, you know, what advice do you have? You know, and one of the things that I think is important is getting young people into doing what we do, but especially young women and you know, people of color. We need we need some diversity in what we do and What's some advice that you would give to somebody that has passion for this that's that's just starting out? One of the biggest things I would say is always remain humble. No matter, get in there and do it. That's the only thing, just do it. Don't say, I can't do this, I can't do that, just do it. And if you become successful, stay humble. And by that, I, there are so many young masters out there, male, female, and all who, you know, do well, and all of a sudden they become cocky. And it's yeah. like, no, it goes up and down. So, but do your best and stay humble. <laughs> that also could be on the billboard, Miss Sylvie. <laughs> stay humble. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I I have to tell you how much I enjoyed this interview and I know that our listeners are going to enjoy this. Where can people find you online? Online I have um I'm on Instagram, uh Silver1950. And I also have a YouTube channel. Excellent. And my yeah, my YouTube channel is um Lady of Q. Very, very cool. Are there any uh, partners or sponsors you'd like to highlight here as we wrap up? I'd say thank you very much to Snake River Farms. All of my success in brisket's been with them. Um, I've already mentioned Simply Marvelous. Um, can I mention Royal Oak? Absolutely. Just because they, okay, Royal Oak for my child. And those are the predominant ones. Very cool. Oh, Very I cool. one. The most, most important one, love hubby. What is it? I always put love my hubby, L-U-V-M-Y, hubby. And it's no person. It's just my way of saying thanking my husband for helping me uh, and for letting me, for assisting me in doing this. That's fantastic. And... <laughs> I was reading earlier that you guys that you guys do this together, and I, I gotta, you know, me and my wife do this together, and it's how we spend time together now. And she's every bit of a pit master that I am, and uh-huh. you know, she can definitely do it on her own, and she cooks our chicken, and uh, I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else, and I'm sure you feel the same way. The same way. Now he doesn't do any cooking. I don't allow him to cook. And I say that I do not allow him to cook. Um, <laughs> but all the weightlifting, uh, clean up and all that, that's that's him. And finance. And pit bitch. <laughs> and pit bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the title of the episode. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Miss Sylvie. 
No, no, he won't. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you again for being on. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And I are you going to be at the Royal this year? No, I'm not going to go. I, I did the Royal once, you know, once, and I said, oh, that's enough for me. No more. <laughs> Well, then I'm just going to have to find my way to California, or you're going to have to find your way out here. And well, have to get I, I do the North Carolina conference, so that's the closest I get to you. And we've um, never done okay. Jiggy with the Piggy. We've never been there. Never been there. So that's, that's it's the one that we've in North Carolina that we've not done. And uh, so, you know what? I'm going to make it a point to put it on my schedule. Okay, because they've already. Um, Send out, you know, confirmation they're going to begin next year, and I think it's it's always in May. Yeah, but I think this next year maybe around Mother's Day somewhere. Okay, well, I will make it a point to be there then. <laughs> <laughs> and I look forward to meeting you there. Okie dokie. <laughs> Have a good evening. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and to share it out with your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke TikTok as well. Old Virginia Smoke, one word. That's all you have to search for. It's hilarious. Tune in next week for another great episode of Pitmaster. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedanka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2022.